me ask you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 10. John 10, in a moment we will pick up with uh, beginning at verse 11. But in the days of the Old Testament, there was a beloved psalm, one that is beloved even until today. It talks about one who is there for his people. I want you to put yourself into the Jewish mindset, hearing this psalm again and again, looking forward to one. Listen carefully to the words. This is the word of God. in God's house for 
so hearing that all of your life, there is a longing to know that one. Who is that shepherd? Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own uh, the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them in also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, He has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, These are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind, he had said, I am the good shepherd. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's bow together. Lord, in hearts that are in this place today, there is a longing to know that shepherd. Some want to know him deeply, have known him for a long time and just want to know him better. Some don't even know that that longing in their heart is for this good shepherd. Will you open our hearts and minds to you today? We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. We, uh, especially around Christmas time, talk about uh, the doctrine of the Incarnation, but uh, of course we talk about it throughout the year as well. The Incarnation is the doctrine of God becoming flesh. Now, one of the reasons for God becoming flesh was for Him to reveal Himself in a greater way, in a deeper way, to those that viewed him. And that's what we're going to see today. The incarnation uh, continued to accomplish progressive revelation of the very nature of God. And I want us to use this passage to see what he is revealing about himself, the nature of God in this passage. I'm going to give you several terms. 
there's no one passage that says everything there is to know about God. Uh, every part of the Bible gives us different insights, but here are some of the things that we see as Jesus is revealing of himself. There is, first of all, a uniqueness. A uniqueness in him. He says, I am the good shepherd. If you look in Israel's history, you will see a history of shepherds, a lot of them. That was their occupation. And you can't ignore the shepherds, of course, Moses, David. But as you look at those shepherds, if you look for any length of time, what you will see are shepherds that were flawed. David, we know of his great sins. Moses even used his shepherd's staff in his sin that caused him not to be able to enter into the promised land. Jesus is making it clear that his claim is not that he is one in this long line of shepherds. He's not just one of them, one of these shepherds with human failings. He's not just better than the rest. He's not a shepherd. He is the good shepherd. Now, everything that follows explains what makes him unique in that. There is the goodness. I'm the good shepherd. Not the shepherd, the good shepherd. Now, even that kind of uh, goodness that Jesus is talking about is unique. Because you might say, well, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of good shepherds out there. He, he's making a different point here. In fact, it's more in line with uh, what we see in his encounter over in, in Mark 10, when uh, uh, it says, as he was, verse 17, as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before uh, Jesus and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, you know what? If somebody did that to me, I would just be ecstatic and I would begin to, to tell him, you know, well, let me, let me share the gospel with you. I can't believe you're, you're asking. It's usually not this easy. Jesus' immediate response. Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. And of course, that was the point is that Jesus is God. And so, when it's speaking about His goodness or His being good, it is completely unique because it is a perfect good. It's not just better than others. It is perfection. Now, he goes on to explain what makes him the good shepherd, which also explains what makes him unique. 
the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now, the other reason we know that uh, um, he's the, the, the good shepherd is in that very aspect, the whole idea of laying down his life. We're going we're gonna to talk about that in, in a few moments in, in more depth. But the other reason he's the good shepherd is the knowledge of his sheep. Two places, from the passage last week and then this week, verse 4. When he uh, has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of the strangers. Now, last week I described the kind of sheep pen that this was talking about. This was the kind of sheep pen that would have been in inside of a town or a village or uh, uh, sometimes even in a city. And the shepherds that uh, lived in that area for protection would often bring their sheep in at night into this pen. And uh, there would be a, a doorkeeper, so to speak, a porter, who would be there to guard the sheep. And he would let the shepherd lead his uh, sheep in there they would, for the night, intermingle with one another. And then the next morning, the porter would let each shepherd come in, and the shepherd would walk in, would speak to his sheep, who would then follow him, because he knew his sheep, and he knew whether they were following him or not, he knew his sheep, and they knew his voice. Now compare that to verse 14 and 15. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus is saying that's the way it worked with salvation. I know my sheep, and they know me. We're getting a little insight uh, again, from, uh, in terms of a perspective on salvation. Uh, we talked about this a little bit last week, but what we see is that uh, two different perspectives here, God's perspective and, and our perspective. Our perspective when it comes to salvation is this. We, we come and maybe we hear a sermon. Think about when you came to Christ. Maybe you heard a sermon or you heard somebody share the gospel. And you said, you know what, that makes sense to me. In fact, that's what I want. And so you respond. And you pray a prayer, perhaps, to receive Christ as your personal Savior. That's our perspective. And, and you do it freely because you want to. And then we see God's perspective. He knows His sheep, and they know him. Here's what happens from God's perspective. He goes into the pen. He calls out your voice. Calls out your name. You recognize His voice. It's a name that He knew before the foundation of the world. Ephesians one four. And then you respond. 
you respond to the one who has already known you. Now, those are a, little, a few insights into the nature of God that we see from this. But I don't want us to stop there. I want us to also see the nature of the sacrifice of the shepherd. Even in the Old Testament, even in Psalm 23, it was pointing forward to the good shepherd, the good shepherd. Verse 18 says, It was a willing sacrifice. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it up again. This charge I've received from my Father. So, so first of all, we understand, we need to know that the sacrifice is voluntary. Now that's important. If we're to really understand the nature of the sacrifice, we need to answer the, these questions. Well, was Jesus' death an accident? There are those that would proclaim that. That he never meant for it to go that far. Absolutely not. It's contrary to this passage and the rest of Scripture. It was not an accident. Could he have avoided his own death? Yes. He could have. Absolutely. But he didn't. He chose not to. Was his death tragic or was it the plan? It was the plan. It was not a tragedy. As sad and as poignant as it is, as, uh, when we get to Good Friday and when we think about what took place on the cross, we must not look at it as a tragedy. It was the plan, the first plan. We see him talking about it before the course of events even began to take place. Here's another thing we need to understand about the, uh, the sacrifice. It was substitutionary. I am the good shepherd, verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now let's do some theology. Let me give you a term. Vicarious substitutionary atonement. Go tell your friends that are in other churches tomorrow when you have that first coffee break and they say, how was your church yesterday? It was fine. We learned about vicarious substitutionary atonement. What did you all learn about? Him for us. It's a spectacular doctrine. Him for us in our place. We deserved to die, and we didn't. He didn't deserve to die, and He did in our place. You know, we often read during communion from Isaiah 53. Looking forward to this vicarious substitutionary atonement. It says this, Surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. 
He has borne our griefs, carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. And here, pick up on this part. This is what we emphasize. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. With his wounds, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. That's it. Vicarious in our place. Substitutionary. Him for us. Atonement. Paying for our sin that we never could have paid for. And then we see here also about this sacrifice that it was specifically for his sheep. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Here we go again. Jesus is specific when he talks about the nature of the design of his sacrifice. It was for the sheep. By the way, even in Palestine, it would have been rare for a shepherd to have to lay down his life for sheep. But beyond that, you wouldn't lay it down for other people's sheep. Certainly not. He's the good shepherd. The other thing uh, in, in this is the motivation that we see. Verse 13. This is talking about uh, this hired hand. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. See, that's contrasting the good shepherd that lays down his life versus the hired hand that he's got no stake in it. When I was in Carmichael's, Pennsylvania, it was a part of Pennsylvania that uh, was mostly mining and farming. And most of the farming had to do with, with sheep. And there were, actually, there were more sheep in our county than there were people in our county. And so I, I had the privilege of learning a, a lot about that as I would go out to uh, farms from people in the, the church and so on. And I was always interested in that. Uh, I hadn't lived on a farm, but I'd grown up around them because of relatives of mine, and uh, I guess they could see my interest. Well, one night uh, I, I was getting ready for Bible study uh, in the sanctuary on Sunday night, and uh, everybody had gathered, and I see a, a lady walking in the back and walking up the middle aisle, and in her arms she had a lamb. And this little lamb had a diaper on it, because it was in the sanctuary, of course, and she brought it forward and she handed me the lamb. And so I took the lamb and, you know, waiting for an explanation. And, and she said, from now on, this is going to be your lamb. Now, we will raise her, which, you know, I was one of these. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we will raise her, but you can come out and see her anytime you want on, uh, on our farm and we're, we're naming her after you. Her name is Daoline. 
Well, I did have the opportunity, and, and we saw lots of things about uh, lambs and sheep and got to see them sheared and various things while we were there. And it, it, was, it was always a wonderful time. I always enjoyed it. And you know what? Daoline was a, a great little lamb. But I'll tell you what. Obviously, because they had a diaper on her, lambs are messy. And they're not the smartest animals in the world. One farmer told me, yeah, you know, if there's a, a gap in the fence and one happens to jump through, all of them will jump through. The whole flock will follow them, even if it takes them into harm's way. That's just the way they are. And as much as I, I can say, you know, I, I liked little Daleene, there is not a scenario that I can think of where I would have died for her. <laughs> and you know what? That really is the point, though. She's messy, dumb, and on and on. And isn't that the point? That that's what makes him the good shepherd, the good shepherd. He died for those that couldn't deserve it. Messy, dumb, disobedient, following other things. That's the nature of the sacrifice. So what's it mean to us then? Well, you can see what happened here. It wasn't a great place to stop my scripture reading, but it was the right place because what happened was, it says verse 19, there was again a division among the Jews because of these words. <clears throat> you see, they were looking for that shepherd. They were waiting for the shepherd of the 23rd. Psalm. And Jesus stepped up and said, that's me. That is me. And they understood that's what the claim was. And it caused a division. Some of them, many of them, verse 20 said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? He's crazy. He's claiming to be our hope, our shepherd. Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? That's what they had seen. There is a demand for a response. If you've really listened today, then whether or not you believe in Jesus, you need to understand that Jesus' I am statements don't allow us to be neutral. like this division that was caused here. They demand a response. Agree or disagree, but you cannot be neutral. Earlier in the passage, verse 12 says, He who is a hard hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and 
leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. Everyone, everyone is following someone on whom you're staking your eternity. Every person in this room, you're following someone on whom you are staking your eternity. I fear that some of you may be following the hired hand, following one other than Jesus. And that God doesn't care about you. Most other world religions call you to die for your God. Christianity uniquely God takes on human flesh and the good shepherd dies for us. What will it be for you, the hired hand or the good shepherd? Let's bow together. Lord, will you open our hearts and call the names of those who have been following that hired hand that really doesn't care about them, that would say, you die for me, but I'm not about to die for you. Lord, will you help us to see and to know the Good Shepherd? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.